Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs. And become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Today's episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark is brought to you by SimpliSafe, the home security company that believes nothing should come between you and protecting your home. I'll be back after tonight's first story to tell you a little more about my own experience with Simply Safe. Until then, take a moment to double bolt your doors and double check your windows and check beneath your bed. You never know who or what else might be tuning in along with you tonight. <laughs> Stay tuned. The show's about to begin. Good evening. I'm storyteller Otis Gyre, and I ain't your grandfather. From where I'm from, we don't do bedtime stories. And if that's what you were expecting, you're in the wrong place. If it's terrifying tales you're after, well then, I've got just the thing. Get comfortable, settle in, turn off the lights, if you dare. Your night is about to get a whole lot darker. <laughs> Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> Good evening, you're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 9. I'm your host, Otis Jiry. In tonight's episode, I'll be performing four stories for you about devilish deals, lurking legends, revenge-seeking revenants, and island abominations. You're listening to the standard edition of tonight's program. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and other episodes with twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons 
in the upper menu to sign up today. And thank you for your support. It's time to get started, so lock your doors, turn your lights down low, and settle in. The show is about to begin. <laughs> Our first tale of terror this evening, from The Dead Canary, Chilling Tales for Dark Knight's anonymous writing collective, is entitled, A Psychic Built Me a Soulmate. The flyer was stuck in my mailbox. Red paper with big black letters. Are you unlucky in love? Are you ready for a new experimental approach to love? Find your soulmate at XX Main Street. That's all I needed to hear. I'm 36. I have 14 ex-boyfriends, 5 ex-girlfriends, and zero current love interests. I'm sick of ramen dinners for one and the judgmental stare of my cat. But when I got to the address, I was sorely disappointed. It was a psychic. The large purple sign read, Fortunes and Readings. And the building was in disrepair. Chip paint, splinters on the siding, a few windows covered with large trash bags. Oh, what the hell, if anything, oh, it'll give me a good laugh. I parked on the street and made my way to the shop. As I opened the door, I shuddered. It looked halfway abandoned, paint flaking off the walls, a couch bleeding stuffing. A large painting with a crudely drawn eye hung askew on the wall. Bookcases lined the back filled with spell books, and the smell, a terrible mix of chemicals and rot, like someone tried to scrub the rotten beef smell out of their refrigerator with Windex. Hello? I called. Shing! The hanging tassels at the back parted. Out came a silver-haired woman peeling latex gloves off her hands. Tattoos of eyes matching the eye in the painting, covered her arms. Yes? I'm Amy, uh, your sorry flyer. For soulmate? She looked me up and down. Sure, you look like you could use my help. What's that supposed to mean? She gestured over my figure. You think you're going to get boyfriends wearing stained overalls like that? And Crocs? She waved her hand dismissively. Then she sat down at the crystal wall, which looked suspiciously like a snow globe, and set her hands on it. See it. I did. The chair creaked dangerously underneath me. I'm Evelyn, and you and I together are going to find your soulmate. Did you bring the items, I asked? The items? It says right on the flyer I need mementos from two of your exes to connect properly with them and sense what you're looking for in a soulmate. Uh, no, I didn't. I'm sorry. She heaved with an exasperated sigh. What do you mean by mementos, exactly? Something of theirs. An old shirt they never took back from you, a keychain, a lock of hair. I raised an eyebrow. I don't keep those kind of things. Nor does anybody. 
Lock there? Really? I'm sure you'll find something, hon. Come back and we can start. Okay. I started for the door with no intention of coming back, but she called out to me. Look in your bathroom. Your girlfriend left a hair tie there. When I got home and looked in my bathroom, sure enough, there was one of Julie Wasaki's purple elastics. I hadn't even noticed it before. A few of her dark, long hair still stuck to it. I smiled sadly. I almost miss you, Julie. It didn't take me long to find an old T-shirt Matt Goldstein left either. Hanging in the back of my closet, it still smelled like his aftershave and B.O. I recoiled in horror and dropped it in a plastic bag. In an hour's time, I was back at Evelyn's, run-down psychic shop, handing over the items. Very good, very good, she said, her nose trailing the surface of the shirt. Ew. What was his name? Matt Goldstein. And hers? She asked, gesturing to the hair tie. Julie Warsaki. Let me ask, to better understand you. What were your favorite things about Matt and Julie? A sly smile crossed her lips. Your favorite physical attributes. I pictured Julie and Matt in my head. It was hard for me to admit that I liked anything about them. Both had dumped me, one over text. Even just picturing them made me viscerally recoil. I guess I liked Julie's long, dark hair. Evelyn scrawled notes in a book into Matt. His lips was an amazing kisser. Excellent, I promise you. We will get you that soulmate you're looking for. She sniffed deeply into Matt's shirt, then set the two items aside. I will do some work tonight and contact you tomorrow morning. But first, we must discuss payment. Payment? All magic comes with a price, hon. She said, her eyes twinkling in the darkness. A chill ran down my spine. A price. Yes, and the price for this magic, she said, her eyes glintering in the shadows, is $250, cash or credit. Uh, credit. As I drove away from the shop, I instantly regretted my decision. $250? For some psychic nonsense? I shook my head. I really am getting desperate. I woke up the next morning to a box on my porch. It didn't have a return address, or my address either. It must have been dropped off in person. Only two words were scribbled in the upper corner. From Evelyn. Open immediately. I picked up the box and carried it inside. It was light and something rattled softly inside as I brought it over to the table. Honestly, in this age of anthrax and bombs, I probably shouldn't have opened it. But the curiosity nagged at me until I was standing over it, butter knife in hand. I slid it under the tape. I pulled out the flaps and peered inside. Dark hair glistened inside. A wig? I reached in and pulled it out. My heart stopped. 
Underneath the hair was an ear. It fell from my hands onto the floor with a wet splat. What the fuck? I screamed, scrambling back from the counter. No, it's got to be fake. It's got to be. I bent over and gingerly picked it back up. The hair was attached to a thin, soft, tan-colored surface. But there was nothing on the other side. No blood, no stains. It's fake. See, it's got to be fake. I slowly reapproached the box. There was something else inside. I reached in and pulled it out. It was tan-colored, squarish. Something hard was underneath it, pulling the material taut. And there, right in the middle, was a set of pink, plump lips. Lips that looked exactly like Matt's. I dropped it on the counter, my heart racing. There was one more item in the box, a sheet of paper folded neatly and tucked away. I plucked it out and began to read. Instructions for assembly. 1. Set the scalp, piece A, and jaws slash cheeks, piece B, on a clean workspace. Line up the cheeks with the scalp edge. 2. Thread a sewing needle with the included thread. 3. Sew A and B together by hand. Do not use a sewing machine. 4. Store in a cool, dry place. A note was scrawled in messy script underneath. Here you go, hon. Evelyn. P.S. Don't call the police or you'll be sorry. I pulled up my phone and called the police. Sorry be damned. Ring. Ring. 911, what's your emergency? Someone sent me a box, a woman named Evelyn McAllister, XX Main Street. It's got some awful stuff in it. Please send someone over, XXX Maple Avenue. My voice cracked with panic. Okay, stay calm. What are the contents of the box? Body parts. They look real. Real, actual body parts. Okay, here's what I need you to do. Yeah? You need to take the parts to the counter, okay? Uh, that's where they are now, I said, confused. Now, you'll need to pull the scalp over so it's lined up with the jaw. Then you'll need to take the thread included in the box. The phone clattered to the floor. After a few seconds of shock, I redialed 911. The man on the other end did the same thing, launched into an explanation of how to sew the pieces together. I dialed my local police station next, again the same thing. I grabbed my jacket and keys, then I sped over to her little fortune teller shop. I found her in the back, feet resting on the coffee table, cigarette in hand, plumes of smoke curled toward the ceiling. Evelyn, what did you do? Tears burned my eyes. I shakily set the box down on the table. You do a lot of things. Be more specific. You killed Julie and Matt. No, of course not. I'm not a murderer, Amy. Then where did you get those? Because those lips look exactly like Matt's. And the hair's just like Julie's. Relax. 
Evelyn took her feet off the coffee table and took a long drag. They took those parts from people who are already dead. The local morgue. I have a deal with the mortician. Ignoring the disturbing consequences of that alone, I shot back. Why do they look just like my exes then? Because I stalked Facebook. I looked up Matt Goldstein, Julie Wysocki. Choose similar features. Simple as that. Okay. Well, whatever you're doing, I don't want any part in it. This is absolutely disgusting and evil. You should be arrested. Oh, going to try and call 911 again, are you? I paled. How did you know about that? Simple hex. Evelyn waved her hand around at the bookcases with bogus spellbooks. Any police officer, first responder, or family member you talk to about this will give you the same answer, so don't bother trying. She leaned over and patted the seat next to her. Come, sit. I'll show you how to sew them, in person. I said I don't want any part of this. Don't you want to find true love? Because, let me tell you, you're not going to find it in the way you're going. I can see into the future, too. It's all breakups and lonely nights with your cat. Those words stung. But I turned my heel, walked out the door, and drove away, hoping she wouldn't send any hex upon me. At least she didn't follow me out. The next morning, I woke up thinking I was rid of Evelyn and her antics. How wrong I was. At about 2 p.m., I went to the basement for a load of laundry. Juggling the huge basket of dirty clothes, I awkwardly descended the wooden stairs. What's that smell? It was an odd combination of chemicals and stink, similar to the smell in Evelyn's shop. I'd never noticed that smell in my basement before. <laughs> I smelled a pile of laundry just to be sure. Then I turned around. No. A shadow laid out on the old ping-pong table in the corner. What the hell? I walked through the darkness. My heart pounded in my chest, thudded in my ears. I don't remember leaving anything there. I stood over the ping-pong table. My blood ran cold. Staring back at me was a jigsaw puzzle of a person. Raw, purple, stitched lines ran across its face and body. I recognized the pieces. The dark brown eyes, the dainty hands with the crescent thumb ring. The legs were still missing. A piece of paper lay next to it. If you don't do it, I will. A. The nausea swelled in my throat. I ran up the stairs two at a time. I slammed the basement door shut, drew the chain over it. Then I collapsed against the door. I halfway expected to hear footsteps, or it pounding the door down, screaming threats at me. Something, anything other than the dead silence that followed. No, it's not alive. It's just an amalgam of dead parts, taken from the morgue, not from my exes. Calm down. But I didn't calm down. The next morning, another package arrived. 
This one was long, stretching across the entire porch. No addresses, cardboard that was slightly wet at the bottom. And when I bent over to pick it up, a sickly stench rushed over me. With a grunt, I dragged it into the house, heart pounding. I split the tape and pulled it open. I retched. Two legs. Sliced cleanly at the upper thigh, instructions were tucked in on the side as usual. And handwriting scribbled on top. If you don't do it, I will. I'm ashamed to say that I did it. I vomited three times before I finished, but I did it. They're already dead, I kept telling myself. Already dead. I washed my hands, made some coffee, and sat down at my computer. They're already dead. They were already dead. Tingling numbness spread over my body like electricity. Then a different thought pounded in my head with every heartbeat. What if she lied? I'd blocked all my exes on social media. It's a policy of mine. One of the worst feelings in the world is seeing your ex with a new partner. And believe me, they always got a new one before I did. So, with a shaking hand, I opened up Google, typed in Julie Wysocki. The third result made my heart stop. Springfield resident Julie Wysocki, severely injured in freak accident. My eyes scanned the article. On Sunday afternoon, Wysocki decided to go biking around her neighborhood. She couldn't find her own helmet, so she decided to use her daughter's, which was too tight. As a car came upon her, she collided with it. In the heat and force of the collision, the tight helmet stuck fast to her scalp and ripped it off. By the time paramedics were on the scene, the helmet and the scalp were nowhere to be found. I pushed the computer away from me, nausea rising in my throat. Black dots swam in my vision. Fuck, Julie. You didn't deserve that. I don't care if you dump it. It's awful. Dump. The sound came muffled through the front door. Evelyn. Dropping off her package for the morning, I bet. I bolted up and ran to the door. Anger supplanted the terror, the dread, the sadness. I swung the door open. Evelyn was gone, but there was a box, a small one. I bent over and picked it up. Instructions were taped to the top of the box. This is the last piece. The heart. If you want to find your soulmate, install the heart and then recite the incantation on the other side of this page. If you want to be done with me in all of this, don't. Bury the body when you've placed the heart inside. It's up to you. Either way, you're free of me now. A. I took the box down to the basement. The figure lay still and stiff across the ping-pong table, eyes shut tight. I plunged kitchen knife into the chest, slowly pulled it down to create a slit. I reached into the box, wet, squishy. The nausea rose. I swallowed the urge to vomit. Shutting my eyes, I slipped it into the slit. Now bury the body. My life flashed before my eyes, my future life. 
Home alone, the cat, the ramen, aging alone, dying alone. No one caring about me, ever. My hand, stained with blood, grabbed its shoulders and started to shift the body. As I did, I looked down at it. It was beautiful in a way. Julie's long hair, Matt's plump lips, Madison's dainty hands with the crescent rings, and Jack's strong legs. Could be mine. My soulmate, forever. My eyes flicked over to the incantation sheet. I began to read. Ignite this one with the spark of life. Make them my own, forever, to... Thump, thump, thump. Footsteps overhead. Someone was in the house. I froze. Evelyn? I called. I left the body and ascended the steps, slowly, my heart pounding in my chest. Evelyn, is that you? I swung the basement door open, clicked it shut. I walked across the foyer into the kitchen. Evelyn, is that... Four men in dark suits faced me, expressions grim, guns drawn. Freeze, please. We can't detain her. We didn't find anything. What do you mean you didn't find anything? How stupid are you? The voice came through the walls of the interrogation room, loud and clear. We searched everywhere. Everywhere? Even the basement? The closets? Yes, sir. I think we looked everywhere. The door burst open. Amy Green? You're free to go. I stood up shakily and walked out of the police station. My mind was a buzz, as if I were drunk or intoxicated. Too many thoughts competing for my attention. Too much shock. We can give you a ride home, one of the officers said. No thanks, I'll walk. It was a two-mile walk, but my head still wasn't clear by the end of it. I can't believe I did all of that. I can't believe how awful desperation made me become. Guilt flooded me, burning like fires in my veins. It was as if I'd spent the past few days in some sort of obsessive trance, and the cold reality was finally crashing down on me. A murderer. Worse than a murderer. I ruined their lives forever. I thought about my poor mother. What would she think if she knew what I did? My poor old mother who always believed in me. I stopped in front of my house. The light in my bedroom was on. Did I leave the light on? My heart sank with each step as the guilt turned to imaginary shackles locked to my ankles. I fit the key in the lock, turned the doorknob. My footsteps clicked across the linoleum. An overwhelming smell of chemicals and rot. A rustling sound, something shifting in the shadows of the kitchen. And then a soft voice from the darkness. I've been waiting for you. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. 
It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I hope you enjoyed A Psychic Built Me, A Soulmate by the Dead Canary. That tale brings new meaning to the old saying, be careful what you wish for. I'm just not sure who to feel more sorry for, our protagonist. Or her ex-boyfriends. <laughs> Up next, we've got a tale from author Eldritch Volpine about a local legend that may or may not be true and how everyone's fates may just depend on it. But first, I'd like to talk to you about something that perhaps you don't like to think about that often. But that one company, Simply Safe, makes it their job to consider. The security of you and your home. Now listen... No one should feel unsafe at home, period. Fear has no place in a place like home. That's been Simply Safe's mission from day one. You may have seen their commercial about it during the big game this year. If you didn't, you can find it online. If you're not familiar, let me tell you, Simply Safe blankets your whole home with protection. They offer around-the-clock professional monitoring that ensures police are on the way when you need them the most. Their system's security sensors are tiny, blending in with your home so you won't notice them. And if anyone is ridiculous enough to try and take advantage of a home protected by Simply Safe, they won't see them either, and that's a good thing. The Verge calls Simply Safe the best home security, and it's a wirecutter top pick. As more than 3 million existing Simply Safe customers already know, it feels good to fear less. So, what's coming between you and securing your home? Whatever your personal reasons may be, Simply Safe has done everything they can to eliminate those concerns and make it easy for you to rest easy. With Simply Safe, there's no contract, ever. They're so confident you'll love their product that they don't have to force you into some ridiculous agreement. If you secure your home with them, it'll be because you want to. Worried about a home security system's cost these days, or inconvenient installation appointments that won't work with your busy schedule? Well, with Simply Safe, you don't have to be concerned about any of that, because first of all, there's no price markups from any middleman. Secondly, there's no installation windows. Who has time for that nonsense? Most importantly, their system is engineered to do one thing brilliantly. Protect. It's right there in the name. The system is designed to keep you safe. Simply. And the best part of all, it's portable. If you move, pack up your system and take it with you. And it can be reinstalled in moments at your new place. The system's got it all. If a storm hits and takes out your power, Simply Safe is ready. If an intruder cuts your phone line, Simply Safe is ready. But Otis, you might ask, 
What if someone breaks in and destroys my keypad or siren? Well, in that case, Simply Safe will still get you the help you need. Maybe it's overkill. Maybe home security is the last thing you want to think about when you're making so many other changes and resolutions in the new year. But with Simply Safe, you're always ready for anything. So protect your home today. You'll get free shipping on any system order. Just visit simplysafe.com/told. That's simplysafe.com/told to protect your home and family today. simplysafe.com/told. Be sure to use that URL so that they know Otis Jiry sent you. Nothing would make this old storyteller rest easier than to know that each and every one of my listeners is a whole lot safer. Up next, we've got another terrifying tale for you. So turn those lights down low and get cozy. More sinister stories are coming right up. Our second story today comes to us courtesy of Eldritch Volpine and is entitled Bigger Fish. My friend and I have always known not to go into the woods around my house at night. I live in a really, really rural area. Like the nearest house is about a mile away kind of rural. I love it. I grew up in suburban areas. So living somewhere so far away from civilization is really nice and peaceful to me. Most of the time. But there's an area of woods just a few minutes walk from my home that I and my friends all knew about. We all knew something lived in those woods. God only knew what. But the people in my neighborhood knew you kept your pets indoors or fenced in. You didn't walk there. And you never went there after dark. Whatever or whoever lived in there, they, it, never left. It's not like people and pets went missing from yards and stuff. But visitors tended to vanish. Mostly because they didn't listen to the warnings. No one's really sure what it is. We had a somewhat famous supernatural hunting crew come tromping in up there once to try and check it out. They claimed they never found anything up there, but they also refused to spend the entire night. It's Halloween, my friend, was whining at the moment, the night that the story I'm about to tell you happened. You have to come out for Halloween. Stop being such a damn wet blanket. Thanks, Michelle. I groaned, putting my feet up on the table. I hate Halloween. I've always hated Halloween. I don't like being scared, and I don't like dealing with tiny brats wanting candy every five minutes. I just wanted to put my feet up, watch stupid comedies or something on Netflix, and relax. I don't like being scared. I don't like haunted houses. Then don't come to the haunted house. Just come to the party afterward, she whined. And I could practically see her bouncing up and down on her toes, like a child trying to get away. It'll be fun. Jack will be there. Yes, that's what I want to do. Get drunk in front of Jack. I rolled my eyes. Drunk people act like idiots. She giggled on the other end of the line. So don't get drunk. 
Have you ever actually gotten shit-faced? Well, no, I had never. I didn't see the appeal of it personally. Why would you want to get so damn drunk that you did God knew what and then couldn't remember it the next day? Why would you want to end up with a massive migraine? I just didn't see how it was fun. Well, I... I bit my lip. Maybe it would be fun if I was careful. I was always careful. If I didn't actually get drunk. Maybe, I said. Great. Perfect. I'll pick you up at 12. I said maybe. But it was too late. She'd already hung up on me. Oh, God damn it! I didn't have much choice now. Either I got ready to go or she dragged me out in my PJs. Groaning, I dragged myself upright and forced myself to put something sexy on. Despite my dislike of the holiday, I did my best to be fun and flirty. I was midway through putting my makeup on when she knocked on my front door. Hold on, Michelle, I'm almost ready, okay? I called back irritably. Hurry up, it's really cold out here. Brat. I rolled my eyes as I finished putting on my lipstick, checking myself in the mirror. Danny! Michelle called again. I said, hold on! I yelled back. No, Danny, I... Suddenly I heard her yelp. Now, Michelle had always been a drama queen. We all knew better than to take her seriously with a lot of things. But that sounded like an honestly frightened yell. I paused, head tilted, and listened hard. Michelle? You okay? Nothing. Michelle? Oh, hell. Now I was actually worried about the little idiot. Michelle, if you saw a goddamn snake... Danny! Her voice was scared and breathless, and when I opened the door, she grabbed my arm hard. Danny, there's guy out here. It was in the woods just by your house. Michelle, there's no guy by my house. And even if there was, it's Halloween. People are trying to be creepy. I didn't want to let her know that she was seriously freaking me out, too. Hell, for all I knew, it was her intention. For all I knew, this was a stupid prank. Let's just go, okay? She was still clinging to my arm and nodded quickly all but dragging me to the car with her. But I staggered behind, catching myself in the trunk of her car. No one's there, Michelle. Calm down. I swear, I saw... She cut herself off, lips thinning. Can we just go? The party was everything I thought it would be. That is, boring and stressful. I don't like, and never actually liked, parties... Jake had barely noticed me in favor of the girl in the bee costume that I didn't know, and I used the word costume supremely loosely. I used the word clothing loosely, for that matter. I was pretty sure I could see her ass. But also, as I predicted, Michelle was plastered within the first twenty minutes, and an hour later I was dragging her drooling ass out the front door as her designated driver. She was loopy and giggling and God, drug people are irritating. But I loved her, so I rolled my eyes, smirked, and tolerated it. Michelle may be an idiot, but she's one of my dearest friends, and really I didn't mind. Once I got her back to my place, she just passed out in the guest bedroom, 
and I could go through with my original plans of watching Netflix and relaxing for the rest of the evening. But when I pulled her out of the car, I saw it. Around the corner of my house, in the spot where shadows meant light, a figure moving. I blinked in confusion, figuring Michelle had got me paranoid and jumping at shadows. And like I said, it was Halloween. If anyone was there, it was probably some stupid kid trying to spook me. Hey, get out of here! I barked as I walked Michelle up to my front door, slowly. This is private property! There was no reply. Something in the pit of my stomach lurched. Something isn't right, my instincts told me. Don't go inside, don't go any closer. I stopped in my tracks, frozen like a startled, spooked deer. I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to call the cops, mostly because I had nothing to call for. What was I going to say? Oh, no, officer. Someone spooked me on Halloween. The holiday of spooks. But my mind and gut were screaming at me that something was just wrong. I shifted to take a step back toward the car. Michelle, I need you to pay attention to what I'm about to say. I think someone's... Her scream cut me off and sliced the air like a knife through butter. My ears ringing, I nearly dropped her. I staggered, trying to figure out what was going on, but I didn't get the chance. We got hit from the side before I got my head on straight. Someone, a man, wearing a clown mask. He was huge and heavy, and I couldn't get him off me. My brain had stopped working on a conscious level. I was in pure fight-or-flight mode. There was an enormous, powerful man on top of me, and I could see the glint of a knife in his hand. Oh, God, I'm going to die, I thought, hysterically, after my brain kicked back in. I'm going to die in a slutty outfit after a Halloween party like a stupid B-movie victim. He was bigger than me, stronger than me, and I could feel myself losing the struggle. Then there was a thud, and he fell off leaving Michelle standing there, wild-eyed, and breathing fast and hard, holding a flashlight from her car. Did... did I kill him? She asked, then leaned over and puked immediately. I struggled to my feet. We weren't that lucky. She hadn't even knocked him unconscious. He was just getting to his feet, moaning. No, no, Michelle, we need to run. Can you run? I grabbed at her, grabbing her arm and trying to tug her along behind me. Hell yes, I could run, she snapped. I'm drunk, not crippled. It's funny how fear and adrenaline will sober a person right the hell up. I could hear the attacker breathing hard right behind us as we bolted, his heavy footsteps not far behind, and I could tell he was gaining. Michelle could move, but she wasn't in her prime, and I had never been athletic. Fear can only carry you so far, it can only do so much. We didn't have anywhere we could run. I told you already, I live in the middle of nowhere. There was no chance we'd get to a neighbor before he caught us. And even if we did, no certainty we wouldn't end up shot by a redneck with a tendency to shoot first and ask questions later. Dead by crazy masked man or dead by redneck. Either way, not my idea of fun. I pulled my phone out, still running, panting heavily. I dialed 911, half sobbing, as the operator picked up. Help me, please, I cried. I, my friend and I are being, there's a man. 
I wish I could say I was strong, clear-spoken, and calm. I wish I could say I kept my stuff together and gave her an accurate description of what was happening. What I did instead was stammer like a damn fool and start sobbing. Ma'am, calm down, came the cool yet urgent voice over the line. I can't help you if I can't understand what's wrong. Someone's trying to kill us, I managed to blurt out. There's a man. He was outside my house. He's chasing my friend and I. I half expected her to call bullshit, to accuse me of playing a prank. Thank God she didn't and took me seriously. Do you have somewhere where you can go? A neighbor's house, a police station or a fire station, a nearby hospital? No, I live at... I gave her my address and no sooner had I gotten it out, like said B-movie bimbo, I tripped. I hit the ground hard, as did my phone, which went clattering into the darkness. I didn't bother trying to reclaim it. I staggered to my feet and kept running, Michelle screaming at me to get up the entire time. The mistake cost us precious moments. It was going to catch us. It was going to catch us. If we kept running in a straight line, he'd catch up, and then... And then... I didn't want to think about what came next. Michelle, turn left! Into the woods! I screamed. It was the first thing I could think of to do. We can't, she protested. We have to, I insisted. Danny, we can't! We don't have a choice. I was already veering up the hill into the thick tree line. Altogether, we bolted into the darkness of the woods. Everyone knew not to go into after dark. Scrambling, stumbling, scraping our knees and hands. Blood leaking from deep scratches. All of us, that is, except our assailant. I slammed to the ground, pulling Michelle down with me, just as I heard him tromp in after us. She clapped her hands over her mouth to muffle her sobs. I was crying, too. I knew I was. We clutched one another there in the shadows, trying desperately to keep quiet while footsteps marched by our hiding spot, heavy and deliberate. I'll find you, he whispered. Whispered, not yelled or screamed. I'll find you both. You think I'm scared of your little urban legend, you inbred hicks? He laughed, deep and raspy. You have room to talk, I thought to myself. I could feel a hysterical giggle rising in my throat, and I clapped my own hands over my mouth to keep it back. My chest convulsed with sobs and laughter. I could feel Michelle clutching me tighter, desperately whispering to me to shut up, asking what was wrong, terror in her subdued voice. The sound burst out of me in a choked, strangled hybrid of a laugh and a terrified yelp. I coughed it out, choked it out, and then Michelle was screaming again, and I was screaming too, because I knew he'd heard me, because I'd gotten us killed. We were dead, and it was my fault. All my fault. And then blood splattered across my face. For a minute, I was horrified by the idea that it was Michelle's. At first I shouted her name, horrified and grief-stricken, before I noticed she was standing behind me, uninjured, clutching my shoulders with one hand and pointing with the other. Oh, my God, Danny! Danny! Oh, my God! I twisted to look at what she was pointing at. I wish, now, that I hadn't. 
Something stood before us. It was easily eight feet tall, and I couldn't make out many details because of how dark it was, but I could see the deer head it had, and the horns that rose easily five feet high themselves, if not more. Something hung from the prongs, moss, or something else, trailing down almost to the ground. The body seemed to be human enough, but the legs and feet were deer or goat-like. The long, thin, fur-rimmed tail that trailed behind it, complete with a tufted tip, seemed like it belonged to on a unicorn or a kirin, or some other mythical creature. It was easily as lengthy as the creature was tall. The hands that held our attacker were more like claws, the nails so thin and razor-sharp, sharp enough to have torn his head off without effort, apparently, because that's exactly what it had done. It tossed the corpse aside, then bent down, down, until its head was level with mine. Hot breath from its nose blew into my face. It smelled like rot and mold and mud and dirt. I'll be honest, everything that had happened after that's a blur, and I don't remember it well. Michelle said I passed out and that it walked away, leaving her a sobbing wreck on the ground beside me. She said the cops finally showed up 20 minutes later. The next few weeks were a mixed-up mess of questioning from the cops and of attention from the media and people trying to get us to appear on news and talk shows or ghost-hunting supernatural programs. Michelle ate it up. She always loved attention and being in the spotlight. Me, not so much. For my part, I guess I just needed to get this out. To tell the story for real, with no frills or embellishments. Not to a screaming crowd or nosy, stupid teenager thinking he's going to catch the next Bigfoot on film. My friend and I have always known not to go into the woods around my house at night. Now I go once a month, every month, and whisper a word of thanks to the empty air. And sometimes, just sometimes, I think I hear laughter in reply. Thanks again to today's sponsor, Simply Safe, for their support of this show. Don't forget, as a listener, you'll get free shipping on any system order. Just visit simplysafe.com slash told. That's simplysafe.com slash told to protect your home and family today. Simplysafe.com slash told. Thanks for joining me tonight for Scary Stories Told in the Dark. If you like what you heard and would like to hear a premium extended edition of tonight's episode, which includes two more terrifying tales, Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself on Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, where you can sign up for a season pass and get access to all 24 ad-free extended episodes from this season, or sign up as a patron for just $5 per month and get access to not just my show, but our network's audio archive of hundreds of previous releases, including premium versions of our other shows, such as the Simply Scary Podcast and Horror Hill. 
Not only that, but you'll be lending your support to this very program and help me continue bringing nightmares to life each and every week. Thank you very much for your support. Until next week, stay spooky and get some sleep. If you can. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcasts Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted, and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Otis Jiry. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett. Sound design and final mixing and mastering provided by executive producer and director Craig Groshek. Program's artwork and logo by David Romero. If you're looking for some fresh tales on a daily basis while waiting for the next podcast, check out my YouTube channel, the Otis Jiry channel, and my extensive collection of narrated tales there. Simply search on YouTube by my name and you'll find me. And don't forget to subscribe and press the bell notification icon to get my latest releases. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at Otis at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's O-T-I-S at simplyscarypodcast.com. If you've enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every Wednesday. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next Wednesday with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now 
All you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.